another episode of the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe, The Fight Podcast. I am your host, the underground king, Serge Vicente, and we have an amazing show for you today. Before I get to that, remember, The Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Again, sageeatschicago.com. They cook and deliver healthy meals, deliver them directly to your home or office if you are in the Chicago area. If not, that is fine. They have something for you. They also go out there and they do fitness mentoring and nutrition consultation, man. So check out Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 10% off of your first three months. Also, do not forget to tell your friends, your family, your loved ones, anybody you care about, about the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe, the Fight Podcast. You can find us everywhere on all podcasting platforms. Apple, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Also, check out the website, thefightpodcast.com. And you know what I'm saying? Do me a favor. Go ahead and give us a follow at The Fight Podcast. Also, check me out at Serge Vicente. Yeah. All right, man. Look, I'm glad we got that out the way, man, because we have so much going on, man. Today, I am joined once again by Brandon Camille, the guru. He and I are going to go ahead and discuss all things Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. We break down everything that happened in the match. So on today's menu, we go out there and we thoroughly discuss the huge matchup. What is going on with Deontay Wilder? Was there something wrong prior to the fight? Where do we rank Tyson Fury? Is he personally now in the top five pound for pound? What do we also think about all of the negative energy, all the hate, all the slander that they're throwing on Deontay Wilder's name? We also jump on Mayweather on the drink champs. And did he have fake love for Deontay Wilder? We break down this weekend's fights as well. Mikey Garcia against Jesse Vargas and the return of Chocolatito Gonzalez, man. So we have that and so much more on today's menu, man. So check it out. I hope you guys are doing beautiful. I know it's been cold here in Chicago. Everywhere else, it's, it's heat waves here. It's cold as hell there. Everybody got coronavirus and whatnot. Look. All I know is there's a bunch of amazing fights, and it seems like boxing is right back at it, man. So, look, without further ado, we have a long one for you guys. We have a lot of fun for you guys today. So, here is my conversation with the guru, Brandon Camille. Enjoy. Brandon Camille, brother, how's everything going today? Man, everything is everything. How you doing over there in Chicago? Man, cold as hell, but it's all to the good. <laughs> like I said, it is what it is, bro. But you know what? There's so much amazing fight talk, fam. I think it's going to warm me up, man. How's it going over there in Boston? It's actually been relatively warm. Yeah. It hit, I think it hit maybe hit 60 on Monday. What? Yeah. The, when I left work today, and I typically leave work around 7, 8 at night, so it's usually one of the cooler parts of the day, but it was only down at 36. Bro, it is 17 degrees right now. Yeah, that's ghetto. Bro, it's not a good look, man. It's a struggle out here. It's a beautiful I, struggle, but it's a struggle. I don't want to talk about it too much more because I know whatever's going on there will be it's here in about way. two days. <laughs> Facts. Well, look, man, um, there is so much to get to on this episode uh, of the greatest combat sports and culture show, the entire Universe Fight Podcast. As everybody knows, I am joined, as always, by my boy, the guru, Brandon Camille, B-Camp 13 on IG. I need some interest music. Man, dude, I got you, bro. We, we figuring it out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you guys know, like I said, so we're, we're going to go ahead and jump into it, man. Again, like I said, there is a lot to get to. Um, I mean, fight announcements out of nowhere, people beefing, we got upcoming fights this weekend, we got to talk about Floyd on Drink Champs, but the most important thing, bruh, the beat down of Vegas this past weekend, holy shit, Deontay Wilder lost his WBC belt to the new king, and maybe he was always the king, Tyson Fury. Bruh, we have a lot to get to, so I've, I've broken this down, okay? 
you know, a couple different parts. So I'm going to keep us moving today. We can't go on tangents. We have to stay on topic because there's so much to get to. Because you know what, man? I, this, this, this got me feeling a certain way. Hey, look, that's that's your job, not mine. I'm going to just be talking until you tell me to stop. <laughs> oh, I got you, man. Well, look, let, let's go ahead and just start with this, man. Um, Tyson Fury goes out there and puts on a performance of a lifetime. Um, goes out there, and in my estimation, he proves that he is the best generation of this era. He goes out and gets a seventh-round TKO stoppage of Deontay, the bronze bomber, Wilder. Goes out there and stops him. And, and honestly, a lot of people I heard have given Deontay Wilder the second round. I've even heard people to the point that they gave Deontay Wilder gave round one round. and two. I gave him the second round also. I and, was also drunk. I, I, and I was high, but still. I, like At the end of the day, I, I, I've gone back and watched it a couple of times. You could argue round one. You could even say maybe he won possibly rounds one and two. But after that, it was all she wrote. And... Um, and, and after Tyson Fury pretty much landed a huge overhand right that landed behind the ear of Deontay Wilder, it seemed like he never got his bearings back and ended up just getting drugged the next um, four rounds. So what are your thoughts of Tyson Fury's performance um, just in general? What do you, how do you feel about this performance and, the, and this, the, the show in general? Well... Sergio, it's been about a year since I've been on the show. I think we first connected back in March of last year, and it's now February 27th. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the first questions you asked me is, why do you like boxing? Like, what got you into it? And what got me into it and why do I like boxing are two different things. But why I like boxing is because of the stories and the storylines. And boxing often times doesn't have happy endings. You have these great champs that go out by getting knocked out by these young guns. Um, you know, you have guys that, you know, maybe sit out a few years, want to come back. They get their shit rocked too. It, it, there's so many sad endings to a lot of these stories in boxing. And while there are a few good ones, oftentimes we see the bad end of the stick. Now, here we have such an anomaly in Tyson Fury who reached the pinnacle of the sport by beating the heavyweight champ and Klitschko who had reigned over the division for so long almost a decade he then quite literally loses his mind for a few years and decides he's going to come back to boxing to which all of us boxing fans laughed we've seen pictures of him we knew he was overweight we were like yeah sure we'll see you never he comes back against a trash bucket and then another trash bucket and then another trash bucket and all of a sudden he finds himself in a heavyweight title match with Deontay Wilder. Hmm. So most of us boxing fans say, Yo, hey. This, this is legitimately movie shit. You, you know, first of all, like, the movie's probably already done. Like, Oh, bro. Has to be. So he, then all of us boxing fans say, hey, he's going up against Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder's going to smoke that motherfucker out his shoes. I know I said it. I said it too. Twice. That's, I, exactly. And and I believed it. Twice. <laughs> I believed it twice. Facts. And so he comes out and he has a draw with Deontay Wilder and he looks pretty good aside from those two knockdowns, most notably that one in 12th round. And we're like, hmm, what do we have here? Where he got up just like The Undertaker. Just like The Undertaker. But, I mean, what, what what do we have here? Do we have a guy that still has it? Is this still the guy that beat, beat Klitschko? Can't be. Three years out of the sport, doing a ton of drugs. This cannot be the same guy. It's impossible. But it was. But, but it is. So... A year, a year and a couple months from that date, I believe that was December first, twenty eighteen. Yep. Here, here we were. Um, what February twenty second? I appreciate the twentieth though. That is my birthday, so I, you know, what I'm saying the twentieth was a very good day. Happy belated birthday to I, my guy Serge. I appreciate it, man. It's me and Rihanna. Nice, nice person to share things with. Yeah, hey, and uh, and Charles Barkley. <laughs> Charles Barkley gets mixed reviews. <laughs> Hey, Trevor Noah. I got Trevor Noah. You know what I'm saying? I got Casanova. I can Casanova. I'll you know what I'm saying, bro? Yeah, we out here. But I'm happy with Riri, man. I was like, oh, that's that's a cool. I can, I can keep that. <laughs> yeah, that one aged well. Oh, it's aged very well. <laughs> very, <laughs> very well. 
<laughs> All right, so here we go to the fight on, fight on Saturday. See, thank goodness, my girlfriend and, doesn't listen to this show. Woo! Yeah, you know we we don't we don't love Riri like that. Well, Sergio doesn't love Riri like that. Me. Yeah, I got a whole nother story. But anyway, <laughs> um, so here we go to Saturday and Serge and I, like a lot of the boxing public, picked Wilder. We, like most people, fell in love with his power. He comes to the ring in what I thought was a dope ass costume. Did you like the costume? Oh, you talking about the Super Shredder outfit? When you first saw it, did you like it? I was like, oh, that shit is raw. When I first saw it, I laughed. I'm not going to lie. I laughed. But you know what? It was dope. It was dope. He had the, it was, it was all bedazzled out. He had the red eyes glowing. It was sick. It really was. I mean, don't, I, I laughed, and, but I've always laughed at his goofy ass outfits. But no, I, I, I was down with the super shutter outfit. Yeah. Or should I, I, I say tell- uniform? uniform outfit i was down with it i was down with both both of their walk-ins and the the fight starts first two rounds you know maybe one goes to fury two goes to wilder but you know then wilder just receives a total beatdown, and a lot of people are tearing wilder down after uh, we'll, the fight we'll talk about that in a little bit oh, okay and, and and right rightfully so i do think he underperformed i'll say in the rematch uh there were a lot of things that he's that he's always done wrong that he continued to do wrong. Well, let's, However, let, let's stay ha- on. Ha- let's stay on topic. And the topic at hand is let's talk about Fury and just the everything else that's encompassing. I want to stay on Fury right now. Well, I, I, was, I was. My point was that Wilder had his deficiencies, but I think a lot of people are using that, and it's those are that's what's crowding the headlines. People aren't speaking as much as I feel they should be about Tyson Fury's performance, which was absolutely brilliant. I and when you think of this that, story, that sounds crazy. I think that's all people are talking about. When you, really, I, I think people. Well, I mean, uh, maybe just I, Black Twitter. Well, and that's okay. Well, again, we'll talk about that later on, and because I do want to like, have an actual time for that specific subject, um, because I I feel a certain way about that. And, um, and, and, and that's continue, what yeah. my, my point was that Tyson Fury's performance was absolutely brilliant. Probably, I, I mean, the best one of the best best boxing performances of our generation, considered all the odds, considered the drugs, considered the the absence from the sport. Dude, it is he, one abs- of the best performances. I'm be honest with you that I have ever seen. One of the best boxing stories. The, just the, everything in totality, man. The way he performed, not only the way he ended up performing, uh, but like you said, the story is great. He's a great personality for the sport and I think that goes without saying so it was Wilder I think they're both of them and this is what made this fight as compelling as it was um so it, you know you know I love me some Costello and Bunks yes they they said that this is probably the best day in British boxing history hot take but I'm here for it because where else are you gonna go Hey, man, and this is something that I didn't bring up, but I've been thinking about a lot. Yo, British boxing right now, yeesh, dude, nasty right now. They literally have contenders all over the place. So there's a lot of people that got contenders all over the place. It's not isolated to Britain, but I, I believe I, I, I never said that. Don't put words in my mouth. I said it's looking good right now. That's the only thing I said. I didn't say anything else aside from that. So when you say it's, it's looking good for for Britain contenders, who's the first person that you think of? I think Tyson Fury. Well, he's not a contender. He's. No, yes. I, didn't, I didn't talk about contenders. I said they're looking good in terms of the British right now. British boxing is flourishing. They have two of the top heavyweights in the world. They have uh, the, the all the lightweight divisions. They look amazing. They have great guys in, in the middle divisions as well. Like they're Josh world Taylor. championship mm-hmm. fighters everywhere that's what i'm saying they just are right now they're having a very good era of british boxing and and, but this is higher above above all of them in terms of like british boxing when it comes to tyson fury now yes i agree with you the british boxing has been very hot but tyson fury i mean i I would definitely say agree with them in saying that it's the greatest day in british boxing ever because i don't ever remember anyone even coming close no dude no i think you're right no it's, it's seriously but I mean, yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say about that. I mean, Tyson Fury, amazing performance. He came, he did what he's supposed to do. So there's not much else to say aside from, yes, brilliant game plan. You, he put on the weight he needed to. It was intentional. Although I did find out that he came out, came into the fight probably eight or nine pounds less than he weighed in at. So he was closer to the 260, um, weighed in 273. So he would have been 264, 265 range. Either way, the way the, the added weight worked, he, he changed the people in his corner. He came in with a new strategy. He didn't 
move move as much. He came forward a lot more. I thought in terms of the way he was throwing his punches, very simple. Usually what Wilder does, put pressure on him, he uses the jab and throw the one-two a lot. So, I mean, but I mean, it worked. Uh, so I, I, it, it absolutely worked. And, um, and one thing that I have to say is this, man, when, when you saw it, and one thing he did on the last one, he, he, he went out there and he pretty much bullied the bully. He stayed in his chest. He, and I think he really found out, and he, sp- he spoke about it a couple times, and Ben Davidson also. They talked about how in the 12th round of the last fight, when they realized they pushed Wilder back, Wilder was extremely ineffective. So that was part of the reason why he ended up going to go over there with Sugar Hill and those guys, that Kronk Jim style, that Marauder straight, like, I'm coming downhill, trying to knock your face off style. Um I think he. I think you're right. He definitely stayed with the one-two, but the way he was throwing them was so different. The first fight we went out there, he was throwing straight, like everything was straight down the pipe. This one, he, I think he did an amazing job of not only occupying Deontay Wilder with throwing jabs that weren't meant to jabs and left hooks that weren't meant to land, but also he was throwing a lot of more looping shots. Yes, he landed, you know, straight up the middle, but a bulk of those shots were a lot of hooks in comparison to the first fight, which I think was a beautiful tactic, especially the way defensively Wilder lines up, man. Just, I mean, a game plan to a T. The, the game plan that the team put together... And and this is, I think, something that's very interesting is just seeing the com- the, the, the comparisons to both teams, because I agree with you. I don't think Wilder performed to the best of his ability either. And it's amazing seeing one team that you can tell had a legitimate, specific game plan. And it definitely seemed like the other side didn't have a game plan at all. So it, it was and they don't have a, you know, a, 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 a secondary option. There is no plan B. This is all we got. So it was very interesting to see, man. But the game plan salutes all those guys up there. Um, and Sugar Hill and all those boys, man. What, what an amazing performance by the entire team. Yeah, man. Kronk Jim is alive and well. Shout out to the late uh, Manuel Stewart. Man, late great, brother. The late great. Well, look, this is something I want to talk about also. Now, after this amazing performance, which it was, and again, I, I'm with you 1,000%, man. We have to sit back and look at the, like, the beauty. That was a masterpiece. That was a fucking Picasso. You know what I'm saying? That was a legit-ass Basquiat that we went out there and we saw that yeah, day. You, you're giving it a lot. It was, though. It, it was, it was, that, that, that's the time. And I agree with you, man. I, I mean, I love what you said in the beginning, man, because these stories, these storylines, and the performances on top of that like that, this is why I am a fan of combat sports. I, to me, that is art. That is beauty. That That is the same thing. I, I feel like going to the damn, you know, uh, to, to see the Mona Lisa wearing a mauve suit. Like, come on, fam. Like, that was incredible to watch. I loved every aspect of it. I even loved how he was singing at the end. Yo, Tyson Fury, the salute to that man. And, and here's the thing. Deontay Wilder showed hella heart. I think people aren't talking about that enough. He was compromised from the very beginning. Whether it be whatever his excuses were, which I think we'll discuss later on, and everything else, I think he went out there. He always displays the heart of a champion. Now, other things we can discuss, but um, I I think that we need to go ahead again. Tyson Fury, man, take my hat off to that, man. But it brings me to my next point. After we look at it now, where do you see Tyson Fury in the pound-for-pound rankings? Where would you personally put him? Because, look, I'm going to go ahead and pull this up right now. And it is the ESPN's top 10 pound for pound. As of right now, ESPN has it as number one, Vasily Lomachenko. Number two, Terrence Crawford. Number three, Canelo Alvarez. Number four, Inoue. Number five, Errol Spence Jr. Number six, Alexander Usyk. Number seven, Tyson Fury. Number eight, Juan Francisco Estrada. Number nine, Gennady Golovkin, really? And number 10, Manny Pacquiao. Did they get it right, and where would you put it if they didn't? Yes, I think they did get it right. I spoke to you yesterday, and I told you I think top Fury, Tyson Fury has to be in everyone's top five. Uh, but I thought about it all over again. Um, and I had that conversation with myself, and I said, hey, Tyson Fury beat Vladimir Klitschko. It was Val- Vladimir, not Vitaly, right? Yes. Okay. He beat Vladimir Klitschko. Then, unfortunate things happened. He had some mental health struggles. and He was gone from the sport for a long time. Two years. Well, while he was gone for the sport, guess what? These guys were still fighting. They were still putting belts in the line. They were still making these big events, still, still doing work. 
Tyson Fury comes back and essentially fights five fights that don't matter and two fights against Deontay Wilder, one of which was a draw. And then he gets the knockout. So while I think he should be on everybody's pound for pound list and skill wise, maybe he could he skill wise, he belongs in the top five. But you can't put him above these guys who have been here showing it. Very and I true. think that, that no, I think, it's a very good point, man. I'm going to reserve the top five for those guys. Yeah. So whether you want to have whether you want to have it, Canelo Alvarez, you know, Vasily, Lo, Vasily Lomachenko, Niall Inouye, Spence, Crawford, hey, really whatever. Quick, check this out. Here is Ring Magazine's top ten. Number one, Canelo Alvarez. Number two, Vasily Lomachenko. Number three, Inoue. Number four, Crawford. Number five, Usyk. Number six, Spence. Number seven, Golovkin. Number eight, Estrada. Number nine, Better Biev. Number ten, Manny Pacquiao. Yo, Ring Magazine. Wait, when was that last? Shit. When was that last updated though? This is the newest. This is their newest one. That came out this week. Yep. Yeah, I, I think Tyson Fury definitely belongs in your top ten pound for pound. I think six, seven range is probably about. That's right where I him. actually have him right now. So here's the thing: if I'm looking at the ESPN's list, and actually, ESPN's list, a couple of changes that I'd make. Obviously, I think I have Canelo Alvarez as my number one. I have Terrence Crawford as my number two. I have Vasily Lomachenko as my number three. When um, did you start putting Terrence Crawford above Vasily Lomachenko? Um, I start. I've been watching a lot of uh, a lot of fights of his recently. And it just, in, in terms of skill-wise... I really feel betrayed. Oh, man. Well, you know what, bro? It, it's... I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm, I, don't think I'm, I don't think I'm set on this. I don't. I don't think I'm set on it. I think I've been, you know, I'm going back and forth. I've just been watching a lot. Man, Black History Month, I've been watching a lot of Black fight, Fighters, bro. I have been. I've been watching all the top-ranked joints. I've been watching all the joints. And I'm looking at them, and I'm like, damn, this dude does some things. That are just I ridiculous. I can't believe you just pulled that out on me live like that, bro. Just, I'm just sorry, gonna just man. gonna switch just gonna switch I, that I'm, so I'm, quickly. I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Oh but, my god. But I, I, we already know our top five is a floating top five because Errol Spence has been high up on that list and Errol Spence keeps dropping. <laughs> so, well, that, that's just due to activity. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But at the same token, again, I, I'm looking at him and and it's like, man, ah, you know what? We're getting away I, from we're, the point. We're getting away from the point. Okay. Um, but in terms of that, I mean, you got Inouye, you got Spence. I would personally flip Usyk and Tyson Fury, personally. Absolutely. I mean, you have to because Usyk has thing. one fight of heavyweight. Exactly. And if he was still at cruiserweight, then then I'm there. I think we both had him at one point in time very high in our top tens. Um, but you can't put Usyk over Tyson Fury if they're both heavyweights. It doesn't make sense. Um, that's my only contention. But I think I think he's a legitimate number six. I would put Tyson Fury at this point in time at number six, man. So, look, salute to that, man. I think Tyson Fury is an absolute monster. Every, obviously, everybody in that list is an absolute monster. Um, but I think here comes a big point. Now, this is something that a lot of people were talking about. And I hear flack from it. I hear good things from it. Mark Breland's stoppage. And the criticism that Mark Breland is is, is pretty much gone through. Ty, uh, Deontay Wilder after the fight. Um, the story and the, the background everyone's saying right now, I don't know how true this is, but I'm hearing this over and over again from multiple sources. They said Deontay Wilder got backstage, said, which one of you guys threw the towel in? Mark raised his hand and they said he fired him on the spot. I don't know how true that is. I know I've also heard that they say they're going to figure things out within the next couple of weeks. Um, but I hear multiple pretty much reliable sources that he fired Mark Brillin on the spot. I'm going to tell you this. This idea of going out on your shield is archaic. The idea of going out on your shield as a fighter, 1000%. I am a fighter at heart. I have been a fighter. I've been in there. That is how you feel. But Deontay Wilder has multiple reasons why you don't want to do that. Let's go ahead and talk about not his one, not two, not three, but eight. Eight children this man has. He's out there piping people down like George Foreman. Bruh, you have a family, son. Got a lot of money, too. But stay big. Okay, yes. But yeah, he, they, got, they he, got, he got a, he got a family. They need their pops there. And you have somebody like Mark Breland. There, here's, there was a really dope story that I heard. And George Foreman came back um, when, he, when he beat Michael Moore for the heavyweight title, and he was about to turn almost 50 years old. He goes out there, 
And the person that he hired as his trainer was the person who was training Muhammad Ali for his last fights. And he threw the towel in um, when Larry Holmes beat Muhammad Ali's ass. He's the one who threw the towel in. And he asked George Foreman afterwards, George Foreman, he was like, why? Everyone's talking shit about me. for Like, why would you hire me to be your trainer? And he, George Foreman looked at him and told him, you threw the towel in on Ali. That means I can trust you. Bro. First of all, beautiful story. Second of all, that is exactly what you want. Deontay Wilder right now has yes men. And if he goes out there and says and thoroughly believes, and then you've got this jackass, JD's. I got no love for that fool. And I'm going to talk. I'm going to keep going on this in a minute, but I'm going to let you speak about this. But JD's is a piece of shit, bro. And I do not believe that he should be licensed to corner Deontay Wilder ever again. And the reason that I say that is this. Anyone... As a cornerman, you have one job. Your job is to protect the fighter. That is your job. For him to go out there and say afterwards, nah, man, I ain't throw towel in. That was on Mark. Uh, I, I would have let he, Deontay deserves to go out in the shields. No, he fucking does not. And the fact that your cornerman says that, that means he does not have your best interests at heart. That means he is a yes man. That means he should not be honestly licensed to ever corner ever again so for me there's two sides of this for one i don't like uh, i can understand wilder saying hey my corner should have stopped the fight because that's what every that, that's that's what every fighter says I'm after their you. corner stops the fight and wilder has been in been in there before and he knows hey well I, I i've been in trouble but i always have something that can get me out of trouble and not only get get me out of trouble it can end the fight at any moment that is his mindset now you you look at you look at him throughout the fight he was getting battered and when the fight was stopped deontay wilder was trapped in a corner, getting hammered with right hands. Directly in the face. Tyson Fury may not be the strongest heavyweight, but he's a fucking heavyweight. He was getting- 73 pounds of ass whooping. So he was getting nailed with those with those shots over and over. And Mark Breland, rightfully so, saw what his fighter has been through, saw it had been two, two knockdowns. His face was bloody and battered, even in the corner. Yo, his um, ear was bleeding. Before this fifth round and before the sixth round and the seventh round, his corner he looked bad. Wilder looked bad. He he you could tell he was struggling. And Mark Breland, who's been in the ring and who's wait, seen wait, really what's quick. Happened. Now, let's not even say let, let's let's give the man's credentials. Mark Breland is an Olympic champion. He is a multiple time Golden Glove champion. He is a welterweight world champion. This dude is one of the OGs, one of the greatest of the of the sport, and he came on the. He was in the exact same Olympic team as Sugar Ray Leonard, Evander, all them boys out there. The dude is not, uh, yeah, uh, the eighty eight team, the not the eighty eight team, the eighty three, what eighty, whatever, two, whatever team. I can't remember the exact year, but it was the same year with Evander Holyfield and all those dudes. The guy that just died recently, what's his name? Oh yes, Pernell Whitaker. Yes, exactly. Yes. That was that. He was on that team. Yep, and they all won gold medals. So continue. I'm sorry, but I want people to understand this is the only motherfucker that got on their damn squad that actually has credentials. So so the first thing that personally I look at is, was it a good stoppage? Did the corner make the right decision? And my answer to that is absolutely. We've seen boxing at its worst over the past couple of years. We've lost people in boxing that I'm sure we always are, are still here right now. The family of Patrick Day, they are still struggling. And so that's Davishev, something we like to... Maximus Davishev. That, it, it, it was not, and it wasn't only those guys, it was more people than that. That's something we want to see none of in boxing. And with, you know, it's crazy. You say kids, I think money. I was like, oh my gosh, all those kids, I want my money. But yes, Deontay Wilder is a father to eight children. He has to be there, be there for them. And he has a lot more in life to look forward to. He has a career that he can get back to now. And so it was definitely the right decision. There was no reason to keep fighting because Tyson Fury had clearly outclassed him. There's no reason to go out in your shield. And, and while you can say that at the post-fight interview, that's the last time you really need to be saying that. If you watch the tape and you can see yourself getting Getting battered, what's the point of letting the fight continue? The corner has to do its job. Now, the other side of this are the roles in the corner. And that's something that I think we have to examine. I do. Because you have your head trainer, 
And then he had his assistant trainer. Your head trainer is Jay Diaz. Your assistant trainer is Mark Breeling. Mm-hmm. Now, they're under instruction from Deontay Wilder not to throw in the towel. Whatever. Someone has to throw in the towel at some point. However, if that's not your job, if you don't have the authority to do that, then I can see why people would have an issue with that. Because he's doing something that he has no authority to do. You can't just be anyone in the corner throwing in the towel. It has to be one person in there or two, whatever the roles are, that has authority to do just that. To can't you, just, be- just to let you know, the way it works is this. The head trainers out there, if there's something wrong, the number two in, in control has the, if he has the authority to override them if they've said it multiple times and they're being ignored. So, hey, dude, we need to stop this. Hey, man, it's not looking good. We need to stop this. Fuck you. I'm stopping this. That's, that's how it's supposed to work. And I don't, I don't know how, how his corner works. I don't know if all corners work like that. That's how it's supposed know. to be. That is how it's supposed to be. And I know that in the round before, maybe, I think Mark Breland said, hey, let's, th- let's talk about stopping it. JDS was like, no. So that is exactly what happened in this scenario. But I'm not sure, and I haven't heard from Wilder whether... Uh, uh, whether Breland had the authority or not. And that's not something he said. He just said that he's they were under instruction not to throw in the towel. So maybe that's that was just the case. But I don't like all the fire that Mark Breland has come under. And I think a lot of it is just overreaction. I haven't seen people mostly agree with us. Ever, from what I've seen, people said, hey, he did the right thing. So Absolutely. I'm not mad at them. It's mostly Wilder who was just... Who's taking his first loss, and I get it. But just take some time. Dude, take some time dude, we, to get your thoughts together before you come out and start doing these interviews, fire Mark Breland, doing and saying crazy things. Like, just take your time, bro. Where's your PR team? Where are the people around you? Just I, sit down. Which I think brings a bigger problem that I think not enough people are talking about. I think this 1,000% proves that Deontay Water is surrounded by yes-men. He has to be. And, I, and, and when we look at it, and again... I, I think about this. It's like the fact that you and I have always discussed, and I think most people have discussed his inefficiencies in boxing. We all know what they are. We all know that they've been riding his right hand. But the fact of the matter, when he goes out there and legitimately has, it, he had no game plan. He had the, it was, and, and if it was, he didn't. He didn't go through the proper channels and steps. And the fact that he is going out there and the like, oh, I gave them a direct order. That nigga, that ain't your dude. They don't care about that. They're not supposed to care about that. Because at the end of the day, yes, you were in charge of your camp, but you hire somebody who you are supposed to respect enough to listen to so that you can get better. Deontay Water obviously doesn't, he might respect those guys, but he doesn't respect them enough to listen to them. And I think that is a big problem. And that's kind of gives me, and I, again, I think we can probably talk about this right now. I think Deontay Water, the only way Deontay Water does better in a rematch, he needs to leave Tuscaloosa. He needs to get out of Alabama. And he needs to get rid of the cancer of his team, JDs. That dude is terrible. He doesn't do him justice at all. I don't understand it. I don't understand why he's there. He doesn't have any other... Again, maybe you know better than I do. But he goes out there and I don't know who who else has he worked with. Maybe he has a number of different individuals. But I don't see that. Yeah, no, to my knowledge, J.D. has been, you know, for lack of better words, a one-trick pony with Deontay Wilder. But he is the head trainer in that camp. So he's doing something right. We did not question J.D. We've always prior. questioned J.D. The only thing is, it's like now that someone has lost, now we can look at their fight. We can look at things critically. But because we can't sit there. We, we all were like, yo, his, his style sucks, but he's knocking these fools out. So whatever. Now that he has actually taken an L, now we can say, hey, fam, you lost because you have these deficiencies in your game. Now, not only can we be critical of, like, and again, in terms of being critical, I'm talking about game planning technique. I'm not talking about Wilder because at the end of the day, again, and we'll talk about this in a moment. Yo, this dude is a champion. One loss. Relax. It's not that big of a deal. But... I see so many red flags. Yo, there's, there, there changes need to be made. 
yeah, changes definitely need to be made. And I don't think it all comes down to just hammering J- JDS. But at the end of the day, I don't think tra- trainers should be caught out here like, hey, we're under instruction to not throw in the towel because that's not how a corner works. You have to have someone in the corner. And what we've seen throughout boxing is boxers have trainers that they have respect for. They look up to. They don't look down at them. Exactly. It, it really felt like Deion's the way his the way both he and his trainer his trainer spoke about um spoke about the way he spoke about his trainers and the way his trainers spoke about him it feels like Deontay Wilder is looking down on them and that's not what that relationship should be like because they have to have the authority to make changes mid-fight to throw in the towel and to run your training camp for 12 weeks before a big fight like this and and, and again I think that goes into just what I'm saying it's just like he needs to change his team he needs to find somebody that he legitimately respects because if he doesn't He's going like honestly, if he does not, we have seen the peak of Deontay Wilder. I don't know about changing his team, but I like adding a voice. He, he needs to add a voice that again, I if he adds a voice, JD's needs to take a step back and be numbered. You can be you could be there. You can be like Boo Boy for fucking Manny Pacquiao. You can be that guy who sits off to the side and tries to chirp over, you know, Freddie Roach's shoulder. But at the end of the day, you need somebody that you're legitimately going to respect, listen to, and actually take legitimate advice from. And here's the thing. That is something that we've noticed a lot. It gets to a point in time. We see it in every sport. You see in the NBA. You see the NFL. There comes to a point in time where, dog, that same voice doesn't work. They're not growing anymore. You've taken this person as far as you can. Kudos to you. You've done an amazing thing. It's time for this individual to continue evolving and growing. Yeah, uh, I've definitely seen that in other sports. I don't think it's the same in boxing, but you do have a good point. How is it not the same? I mean, I just don't don't find it the same because there's a, a lot of boxers who are fine and consistently and, grow and, on. And the there's same. a lot, and there's a lot of specific Bill Belichick. They, that, I mean, it, yes, it's a case by case basis, but I, this is something that is consistent in all sports. Yeah, no, I can definitely, I can definitely, like I said, I can see where you're coming from there. I think it's a little bit different with combat sports, but you do have a good point. So with that, with that being said, I think that it's time for a new voice in this corner. I don't know about a total change, but I mean, I don't know how Deontay Wilder reacts to that type of stuff. We don't know what's going on in his camp. We're not there. And there's a lot of factors that go into a corner, man. And sometimes you bring in these big name trainers and they just don't work out well. I, I think it was maybe what they said. Kodo had went to Kronk Gym or something like that. Didn't work out well. He he ended up leaving there pretty quickly. So I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into this thing. Into this thing, and just because there's a new uh, a new voice in the corner that is respecting the sport doesn't mean that it's the right move no, for Deontay Wilder at this point right in his career. Fit. You have to find the right. I'm not saying you're going to go with one person and figure out the right thing. You ha- he has to find a fit, someone who he respects. Um, what's it called? The Motom Phenom. Um, uh, can't think of his name right now, but he f- fights a uh, UFC fighter, top six guy. This dude, he lost his head coach. He ended up going to one team. It didn't work out. And now he's at a totally Kevin different... Kevin Lee, yes. And now he's at a totally different team. And now he's thriving with that team. He's with Farah Sahabi up at TriStar Gym in Montreal. He has found his team. It took him about a year or so to figure it out. He took a couple L's along the road. And again, there's something else that we're going to talk about with the L's. But at the end of the day, it's like once you find your mix, you, ha- you have to search. If you're a fighter, if you're looking to be great, you have to make adjustments. And at the end of the day i don't see him making those adjustments he's been great he's still a hall of famer in my book but if he wants to continue being great because i believe he can and that's why i'm saying it now i I know we're not there yet i know you will you want to speak about this so i won't touch too much on it however my opinion is influenced by the fact that he wants to trigger that rematch because if you want to say we're, we're starting to make changes in the corner going into what's going to be the biggest fight of his career, I, uh, well, I, I see that, that to be... We're, we're talking hypotheticals. We don't, like, I'm talking about what he should be doing. If he goes into the, if he goes directly into a rematch, he's not going to make any changes and he's going to get his ass fucked up again. I thoroughly understand that. I'm saying what this is what he should be doing, not what he's currently doing or whatever. I'm saying what he should do if he wants to be great. Yes, I would definitely agree that he needs he needs a new voice in the corner. And if that voice works out, maybe they continue to take a larger role throughout the fight in and fight out. But right now, with a potential rematch looming, I'm just like, uh, why you always bring this dumb shit up? No, I I don't. I mean, like, like, yeah. But again, we're we're saying what he should do. Yes, you're one thousand percent correct. He's not going to do that. He's not doing that. 
he's not doing what? He's he's not going to get... I doubt he's going to get a new voice in his corner. If he goes out there and fights this dude right now, he's not going to make the changes necessary. I'm already agreeing with you with that. I believe he's quoted as saying that he is looking into changes in his corner. I don't know what those changes are, but he is quoted as saying that. His ass is still concussed. Like, I, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm looking at... If he does that, phenomenal. I'm with you. I think his ass needs to stop doing interviews for a little bit because you're looking like a petulant child. Like, it's bothering me. Like... We would give him so much more honor, love, and respect. And now, honestly, we can go ahead and talk about uh, some of the excuses that he's made. How do you feel about him saying that, yo, the reason I lost is because I came in there with a damn uniform that was 45 pounds. And that's why I was spent. That's why I lost. On well, top you got of a, other things. You got a story. I got a story. So two stories. Emmanuel Stewart, not even a story. Quote, Emmanuel Stewart was once quoted as saying that he went... As we got more into hip hop, clothes were getting baggier. Fighters are wearing baggier shorts. Emmanuel Stewart never liked that because those shorts, uh, as sweat soaks into those shorts, they start to get heavier. And little things like that can matter throughout the course of a fight. Okay. Now, an- another story is that Muhammad Ali and Elvis were good friends. Elvis once gave Muhammad Ali a robe with a, a, a bedazzled robe. Muhammad Ali did not wear it for that fight. He didn't wear it till multiple fights later until he had to remove 30 pounds in gems from this rope. So if you take those two things into account and say, okay, maybe his excuse was somewhat legitimate. Maybe it did play into the fight. His legs did look bad. All that can be true, but it just sounds bad. Like if, if that is my excuse, Especially since I have an, a, a rematch clause already, why would I come out and say that, knowing that it's only going to embarrass me? Deontay Wilder has sent plenty of people into the shadow realm and, you know, getting crushed on black social media, crushed all types of videos, memes, whatever. He has to be able to take take it a, take it a little bit. Him coming out and saying that he has to realize that, hey, if, if this was somebody that I knocked out, how the hell would I look at this? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not a good look, man. I think it looks bad on Wilder. It looks like everything that's coming out, everything that he's saying, it's... And I'm a huge Wilder fan. I'm a huge fan. It's I'm being so disappointed in everything that he's saying, everything he's doing. Now, here's the thing. I'm with you. It could have 1,000% zapped him a little bit. Because you think about how long he had it on. He had it on for 15 minutes in the back. It takes 10 minutes, to, almost 10 minutes to walk out. He had to wear for another 10 minutes to walk Tyson Fury walk out. Um, no, he walked out a second. Whatever, well, he had to wait for Buddy, so he's in there even longer, right? So altogether, he was wearing it for like 20-something minutes. That's what they said. He was like almost, almost 30 minutes he had it on. Yeah, I mean, look, man, those things, it's not like he's ever been somebody with big legs. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he's, you know, the thickest lower body dude. Now, there is a clip going on. And I'm going to play this clip for us really quick. I found it to be, because here's the thing. I'm not knocking him specifically for that, but, bro, I had to laugh my ass off. He was on um, Joe Rogan's podcast not too long ago. And um, he literally went out there and said, oh, goodness gracious, I can't find the quote right now. It's all I good. thought it was Sway in the morning. Um, no, he had, it was on Joe Rogan. I mean, he might have said it on Sway also, but he said it on Joe Rogan. And uh, pretty much he said he went out there and said, look, man, I'm uh, yeah, I'm really trying to find it. Well, he said that he we works out with a uh, here it is. If I'm, if I'm doing anything that consists of me moving my feet and sprinting mm-hmm. and stuff, stuff like that, and I, I wear a uh, 45-pound um, vest on me as well, too, and all my exercise and everything that I do to have that extra weight on me. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, so chin-ups, everything, squats, everything. Everything, mm. everything. I used to do that with this the training, everything with rapid speed. If, right. I'm, if I'm doing anything that consists of me moving my feet and sprinting mm-hmm. and stuff, stuff like that, and I, I wear a 45-pound uh, um, vest on me as well. So when you go out there and you have that and you say that, it is difficult to sit there and say, oh, this 40-pound, 45-pound thing hindered my performance. Fam, it wasn't a 45-pound vest. It was a 273-pound 6'9 dude who ever, he was leaning on you. And exalt, that's what tired your legs out. 
Now, granted, he didn't look the best, but at the same token, fam, don't make that excuse. You look terrible. I, I don't I don't as much think the clip matters as everyone else. Like, yeah, you can train with 45 pounds and you, that doesn't mean you're going to do it for a fight. But it's a terrible excuse. Nonetheless, like it is horrible, excuse. horrible. Quick sidebar, totally unrelated to anything boxing. I know you don't care, Sergio, but holy shit. I just got the notification that uh, they, they're going on the NFL combine right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude who ran 428 oh, twice. Oh, my. Yes. Yeah. Two times in a row right. ran 428. Four two eight. Silly, and he was pissed about it. What? Oh, dude, it's, it's silly fast. Ridiculous. Oh, yeah, that, that was my side. Yeah, Zooming, man. Four two eight. Oh, come on, brother. Like I pay attention. I just don't watch the games. Yeah, I, I, you missing out, bro. Yeah, I'm not. They they treat they treat our people terribly. And they do. They do. I can't stop though. <laughs> All right, it's but yeah, the, the excuses were terrible. I wish he never came out with them. And like you said, like you said, it's just disappointing. As a fan of Deontay Wilder, I much rather hear him just to take the loss. And if, I, I don't, I want to. I would love to hear him be transparent about this stuff. I do like to know. Yeah. But this excuse in particular, it just sounds so bad. It's, that it's he just should have kept sounds, it to himself. And where's his PR weak. team? It he did. has to have a PR team. A star that big has to have someone. But say, hey, this goes stop. into and what I was saying. He doubled down on it interview after interview. And it goes back to what I was saying. Deontay Wilder is obviously surrounded by yes men. It, he, he's giving more and more signs to that no one's reeling him in. No one's telling him, hey, man, you're looking terrible. Shut up. He doesn't have that right now, and I think that's a terrible thing. Um, I'm disappointed in Deontay Wilder. I really am, man, and that's somebody who I'm a huge fan of. Now, I'm going to ask you this. Where do you believe both fighters should go from here? I know we have the rematch clause. If people say that's going to happen or not, we don't know to this point in time. I personally would love to see this summer have uh, Tyson Fury and uh, Anthony Joshua fight to unify the titles. I think that's what Fury should do next if he doesn't have the rematch. Uh, But if we're looking at this, and I think Deontay Wilder needs to fight a couple cans. And you know I hate that, but I think he needs to fight somebody in the top 10, but he can still knock out. And I'm talking about he needs to fight, do that in like November, December. He doesn't need to come back that early. The contract says that Deontay Wilder has 30 days from the night of the fight to activate his rematch clause. The loser gets to do that, which obviously was Deontay Wilder. In the rematch, the loser will then take the lower end of a 60-40 split. And the fight has to happen by, to my understanding, the end of July. So... All those things considered, we are now in pretty much March. That's a quick turnaround for someone who just got knocked out. Like, that, that's a that's a pretty quick turnaround. Turnaround. It's not smart. You talk, you talk about Sergio and I just mentioned it. Changes that may be made in the corner. Whether and, and when I say changes, that could just be JD staying and Mark Breland being gone. That's still a chain, a, a rather large change going into another huge fight in someone who just outskilled you by that much. So w- when you think when you think about what should happen next, I definitely, d- despite what Deontay Wilder is saying, I definitely don't think he should go right into that rematch. I what I think is either he can go with them to, with this proposal. I think they would take it. They should come to him. They being top ranked Bob Arum should come to him with this proposal. I'm not sure if he would take it, but he needs to. But treat him like a like a mandatory. Pay him some step aside money. I know you got a contract. I know you want your rematch. But hey, we have an opportunity to make this undisputed fight. And if we're able to make this undisputed fight, you will be the first. Yep. The first challenger to the winner. Yep. Doesn't matter who it is. You Um, get the the first challenge. Bob Arum and um, and Eddie Hearn are are in initial negotiations as of today. I don't know how they're in negotiations for when when it's in Deontay Wilder's hand. Now, maybe maybe I'm I'm assuming they know something we don't. Maybe this this situation I mentioned could be a real situation. Just seems too good to be true in boxing where we're oftentimes let down by these things. And while we spoke about the event, we didn't much get into like boxing showing the fuck out this weekend. We talked so much about boxing taking a like not doing the right things, the best fights not happening. This was the absolute best fight, and we saw what happened. It was an event. There was so much excitement around it, and that's what we get the opportunity to do again this summer with a fight with Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury for the undisputed heavyweight championship. Light the summer on fire. Throw another event. 
That's what this sport is about. And that's what it was this past weekend. And that's why both fighters, even in a loss with Deontay Wilder, get so much respect because the best fight was made and they made an event. I am someone who streams event. I happily paid my money for that event because they deserve it. They deserve my buy. When you try to force a pay-per-view on me, I'm not trying to buy that. But when the best fight the best, you get these big events. And the way boxing was this weekend where everyone you knew knew was like, hey, where are you watching the fight tonight? That's how it should be consistently. If they go out there and they do what it seems like a lot of times they've been doing it like you said the end of last year was amazing if they continue doing this they need to keep this pace up make sure the best continually fight the best and the champions fight the champions if we get this consistently it is going to continue being just growing and growing and growing and it's a phenomenal thing to watch man um it, like you said boxing has been showing out now i want to ask you this go, go ahead i want i want to make it sure i want to make it clear they should, tyson fury anthony josh should be fighting undisputed this summer and you give Deontay Wilder let's say a, a, a year or something he could, he could fight a you know a trash bucket maybe end of summer early fall and then he come in for the, to the rematch ready you know he's had a new fight with a new voice in his corner whatever the uh, whatever the case may be but he's had some time to at least knock somebody else out so at least the public prove to it, it maybe you got to prove to yourself but you also got to prove to the public okay. because right now you don't have as much interest in that second fight there's not many people that third have fight. confidence in third fight there's not many people that have confidence confidence in Deontay Wilder winning. So go out there, send somebody else into the shadow realm, and so we can say, oh, wait, wait, this is Deontay Wilder. What are we doing? Absolutely, what, man. What well, we look, I, I want to ask you this about Deontay Wilder, and you were just talking about the, the, the negativity that people have had against him and saying it. And, and like you said, I'm I'm very disappointed in black Twitter, right? Um, I'm very disappointed in, in, in people in general, man. Here's the thing. Deontay Wilder's record before this fight was what? 43-0-1 with 42 knockouts? Just it's, it's something around those lines. So his record was yeah, 42 and 0. Oh, oh, 42 and 0 with one draw. Yeah, exactly. So 42 0 and 1 with with 40 knockouts. So you have a guy that is the longest reigning champ. He's going for his 11th title defense. He's already passed title defenses from all-time greats. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody who is beaten ass consistently. He has been the champion of this weight class for almost six full years at this point in time. You have somebody like that who isn't a piece of shit, seems like a really nice guy, does all these positive things, and the first moment that we get... We're crushing them. Why wasn't it? I hate the fact when it's not as loud for his victories. There, his, his losses is way louder than his victories. We don't talk about him. And, and I think that is such a crock of shit. And that's the thing that bothers me about just certain combat sports. And we look at it like trying to protect this. O, right. Don't know. other. We don't care. Like Mayweather jaded us. In terms of feeling as if we have to be undefeated. Look at all the all-time greats. They all have losses on their records. And that's okay. At the top level, when you're fighting against the best in the world, you're going to lose. The difference between combat sports and other sports is that if I lose an NBA game, LeBron has a terrible game. He gets to come back tomorrow and show out. You know what I'm saying? When you're talking about fighting sports, combat sports, you only get, honestly, one to, two, one to three cracks a year. So we, so we have these long-lasting memories. Yo, I hate that people go out there and try to talk trash like this about Deontay Water. Because at the end of the day, this dude has been an amazing representation for the states. He's been an amazing representation for black America. He's done all this. And for us to sit there and shit on dude, yo, fam, y'all need to grow the fuck up. Because you guys don't have the damn nuts to go in there and do what this man has been doing for the last decade. Well, hold on, Sergio. I understand your perspective. It's a perspective that I share myself. But... We also have to look at some of the numbers here. Deont- both Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury were compensated very nicely, north of $25 million each for their efforts on this Saturday. And we talk about the size of this event. Well, there's a reason why they were able to be compensated so much money, because we expected very large pay-per-view numbers. Now, when we think about pay-per-view numbers, when you speak about what we normally hear— Wilder Ortiz 2, that was Wilder's last fight back in November, I believe. That did about, that was a pay-per-view, did about 350 buys, right? Now, we have 
Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder too, that's tracking, looking to track over a million buys. When a fight tracks that, when a fight is doing that many numbers, that means we now have a lot of casuals. So with more casuals, with more eyes on the sport, which overall is good for the sport, it's good for the fighters because the fighters are getting paid, we're going to get casual opinions. And when you take a look at the the hardcores like us, the boxing community, they're like, a loss, a loss. Wilder will be back. But when you start to add more casuals to the sport, it's good for the boxers because they can be compensated better and the sport is growing. But we will get casual opinions despite the fact that they are absolutely wrong. All right. I still think it's a crock of shit. I think those pussy-ass people doing that shit is bullshit. And, yeah, so, like, yes, it does not mean... Whatever. Yeah, cool, I guess. I, I think, again, I always sat with the fighters. Um, seeing people sit there and, and crush a, a fighter after one loss, you know what I'm saying? And in doing, literally going out there and putting his life on the line out here who's consistently showed time and time and time again, casual or not, has some fucking decorum, has some respect. That's why, I, like, I always, I hate, again, I talk about the NBA. When you got these people out there throwing shit and talking shit in the stands to, you know, to Russell Westbrook. I hate that. That bothers me. You know what I'm saying? Because you you don't have the fucking cojones or want to do what this dude is actually doing. You haven't put the effort. You, you're not blessed athletically, whatever it is it, it, the case may be. I have always thought that was trash. Um, I think people need to have more fucking respect. I'm happy. I'm happy about casuals because at the end of the day, that's how that is how the sport grows. Casuals become diehards and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, yo, it's still garbage. It's still garbage. I understand it. But we shouldn't justify this shit. We should tell everybody, yo, y'all doing that, y'all casuals is cool, I get it. But learn the fucking sport. Stop being a piece of shit. Stop stop having Cheeto fingers and out there being keyboard warriors. Nah, I hear you. But when you say it's louder and louder in a loss, well shit. That's because it's three times more buyers than his last fight had. And despite it being wrong, I'm a guy with a hundred followers on uh, on Twitter. Like I I said it was wrong, but it's only so much I can do, it's only so much you can do. It's going to happen either way. Because it was if it was on the other side of things, we would we would have seen memes and all types of videos all over the place of that knockout you gotta live by, you live by the sword you die by the sword black black twitter it is what it is and that's just what you're gonna get absolutely no i agree i agree man again i i don't think it's i still like i said think it's bullshit um but at the end of the day you know we i think we gotta do better man um all right the weekend was great the fights were happy it was happening man uh, i think we've discussed it at you know to to a t think we did a pretty fucking good job at it if i do say so myself but yo we got some quick hits man we, we got a knockout we got about uh, i'm gonna say about eight minutes or so man we're gonna go out here and and, and rock this out man um a couple things i want to talk about that i've been thinking about and we did not have an opportunity to discuss floyd mayweather was on drink champs and he and he was floyd man he talked a lot of things but one thing i wanted to ask you and again we're talking about black twitter we're talking about floyd mayweather he went out there and put out a post to you know pretty much praising Deontay Wilder. Do you buy what he was selling? Nah. Mayweather is, is has not been seen supporting, De- being all that supportive of Deontay Wilder in the past. It's awkward because they are under the same banner and Mayweather, I think he posted that because he does have a financial stake in PBC. However, I, I think I think it was just a, a fake love type of post. Mayweather, if you listen to the Drink Champs interview, he doesn't even run his Twitter account. He wasn't even at the fight. He was at the first one. Uh, where I think he handled the TMT handled the promotions for the fight. I do not believe they handled the promotions for the second fight, um, or the, he handled the the promotions for a tease. They didn't handle handle the promotion for this fight. Mayweather was not even at the fight in Vegas where Mayweather lives. So I definitely think the post was fake love. If that's your man's, then why weren't you at the fight? Fighters lose every day, Man. and you live in Vegas. That right? You could you could spit at uh, at um. It wasn't at the T-Mobile Arena, wherever it was, MGM. You could spit at the MGM. Like, come on now. So I definitely think it was fake love i do not think they for whatever mayweather don't like people getting too big so he just doesn't like it and so no i don't think mayweather likes him that was a fake love hey, it, it, especially you think about it my man was on the verge of being what 43 and 0 <laughs> 41 knockouts coming close to that 50 you know what i'm saying it would have yeah. been a good look man so how, what, what do you think about uh the drink shafts interview i loved it i loved it 
like him or hate him, it was Mayweather in his truest form. And we don't get that with a lot of celebrities. They go on there, you know, they get their nice little media training. They say, hey, ask this and don't ask that. And, you know, we're going to we're going to stray away from this. And this is how you answer these questions. Mayweather went out there and was Mayweather, even in his random hotep moments, which were very confusing, where he was like, in one moment, he's like, um, you know, he was like, look, these bitches, everybody get a turn. They just like doorknobs. And then a few minutes later, he's talking about, oh, I'm not an African-American. I'm an American. When I go fight at the Olympics, they call me they call me American. They don't call me an, Af- an African-American. Yeah, so why yeah. they got to call me? He was like, it was like randomly going back and forth from like Mayweather being Mayweather at his worst. And then these random hotels, it was, it was wild. But I appreciated that he was just true to himself. And he gave us Mayweather for two and a half hours and like or like or hate his opinions. I enjoyed it. I won't lie to you. Hey, man, I thought it was an entertaining thing. Yeah, he said some wild Floyd Mayweather shit, but hey, it's Floyd. What can we expect, man? All right. Um, yo, this weekend, there's some great fights this weekend, man. We have Mikey Garcia, and he is back against Jesse Vargas, man. This is Mikey Garcia's first fight since his return, uh, since his loss to uh, Errol Spence Jr. He is the plus 500 favorite. He's 39-1, and 30 knockouts. Uh, Jesse Vargas is... Um, is what is his record 29 2 and 2 yo but he's 2 0 oh, and 2 in his last four and has had some amazing fights and he is the plus 450 uh underdog yo did vegas get it right i think vegas got it right um and, and i also think this is a crossroads fight you know whoever loses this fight their career is in a bad place lesser jesse vargas because he's always he's been here for a while but mikey garcia if he does if he doesn't win this fight then you know obviously he has no respect at welterweight but his career now is like eh, where do you go from here absolutely but, so who do you I, got in this fight garcia I, I think vegas did get it right okay um you know what man i i think mikey too but man if you're gonna put some money on this fight i think putting some money on jesse would not be a bad idea um all right next up also on this one, which is on the undercard, Chocolatito Gonzalez gets another title shot against Kyle Yaffe. Yo, this should be a good fight, man. This is for Kyle's WBA Junior Bantamweight title. For those who do not remember, Chocolatito is Alexis Aguero's protege. Uh, Protege. Protege. Um, He's a former 115-pound king. He's won titles four different weight classes. Yafaki is 26 You can argue a former pound-for-pound king. Yes, absolutely, man. So, dude is a monster, man, but you uh, Yaffe is going for a sixth title defense. Who you got in this one? You can't expect me to have much on Kyle, Kyle Yaffe. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go with Chocolatito. He's, he's the name that I know, and I do think they're trying to build build his career back. Um, I like him to win this fight just because I, I know Chocolatito. I'm just not as familiar with Yaffe, to be completely honest with you. Absolutely, he's 115 man. pounds, bro. Yeah, you facts, man, facts. <laughs> you know, well, we, don't, brother, we, we, we barely go below 126 in his podcast. Barely, trying, barely. Bro, I be trying, bro. I'm trying, <laughs> man. I am. All right, brother. Well, look, man, that is about all the time we have for oh, the day. Pro, pro, prospect alert. Prospect alert. Um, uh, oh, no, man. That what, is what about is all the time is, we have for today. Thank you. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it Mashinaw. next time. We'll talk. We'll, I want to go in depth next time, man. So hold that one. We'll get into him in a little bit, man, because that dude is worth talking about. I actually went back and I looked at some of his shit. So we'll talk about him a little bit. But look, that's all the time we got, brother. Thank you so much, man. Uh, parting shots. Oh, no, that's all, man. That all right, is brother. all, man. Shout out is. to Tyson Fury. Absolutely. Did Salute to the Gypsy King. B, the guru. Thank you so much, my guy. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, brother. Be easy. Man, there it is, there it is, there it is. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with the guru, Brandon Camille. Man, we had a great episode with that one, man. Look, there's... I mean, there's so many questions to still ask. We don't know what Deontay Wilder is going to do. But what we do know, look, there is some sort of changes that need to be made. Um, Time will tell, man. But as of right now, I will be honest with you, man. Tyson Fury is the king. He's the guy. He is the number one heavyweight in the entire world. And uh, I'm here to see how far this journey takes us, man, because I truly believe that Tyson Fury is good for boxing. All right, man. Like we talked about before, there is so many fights going on this weekend. We have Mikey Garcia, Jesse Vargas. We have Chocolatita Gonzalez versus Yafia. And um, all in all, man, it is going to be another amazing weekend of fights. Um, 
Um, do not forget we're brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Check out Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. They offer healthy meals and fitness mentoring. If you are in Chicago, they cook and deliver healthy meals, deliver them directly to your home. Also, don't forget to tell your friends, your loved ones, and everybody else about the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe, The Fight Podcast, man. You can check us out everywhere on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Check us out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. All right, guys, check it out. That is about all the time we have for today. That was a good one. Thank you again to my guest, Brandon Camille, and I will see you guys next time right here on The Fight Podcast. Deuces! Deuces!